I know, I know, season two is over, but what is not over is creativity. And also, this really special code, 20% off right this second at NathanMorrisMusic.com. Click any item and at checkout, type in NMM20. That is N as in Nathan, M as in Morris, M as in Music 20 for 20% off any shirt you purchase at NathanMorrisMusic.com, the official merch store. There is good stuff happening. You hold tight. I assure you to continue to meet you where you are and please meet me where I am on all the socials, like buying you something and then taking a picture of it and tagging me on Insta at Nathan Morris or saying something to me at Nathan Morris Music on TikTok and all the other fun places. January 20th, a new single releases, a new record in the works, soon to have a release date for that too. And then hold tight because season three is just around the river bend. You're loved far more than you could ever know. Thank you for all that you bring to this life because you are worthy. Head over to the store right now and grab you some swag. Code NMM20. Die Trying contains sensitive subject matter and conversations surrounding death and dying and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is respectfully advised. Stop the presses, May 27th. Write this down a Friday at 12.01 a.m. because you might still be up. My new single, Yet, releases everywhere. Everywhere you get your music content. So mark your calendars, put it in your phone, set a reminder. But don't worry if you don't, because from now until long after this single releases, I will tell you to listen. And if I don't, Kayla will remind me to tell you, and then I'll tell you. A song which offers a glimpse through the closed chapel doors when it's just the family in their final moments before being escorted to the family vehicles. That tender, delicate, I don't want to leave moment. A moment we are all so familiar with. Yet. Releases May 27th, but not yet. See what I did there? Whisper. More on that later. EFF. How many have signed up? Let me know. By texting me. Yes, text me. 270-456-4028. Text the word podcast so we can keep you updated on exclusive podcast content. Yes, it's really me building the community. People love texting, I do, and people love EFF, Express Funeral Funding, working tirelessly on the back end with insurance companies, getting insurance assignments assigned swiftly so that the family and funeral director on the front end, the most important end, they don't have to wait to set aside time for creating the celebration, grieving, gathering to celebrate one we love so very much. More importantly, they do not have that looming balance due. Again, EFF works tirelessly on the back end so that we as funeral directors can create a meaningful and ever-fitting tribute for the families we love most. EFF has been invaluable to our families. Head over to expressfuneralfunding.com and tell them 
YDT sent you. And Big Turkey Foot Coffee, our pals and brew brothers and sisters. Thank you. Did you know every hoodie that you buy from now through May 15th at youldietrying.com forward slash shop. You're in the running to win Big Turkey Foot Coffee for one entire year. Yes, an entire year. Terms and conditions do apply. Legal jargon. Legal jargon. All right. All the announcements have been made. Head to the shop. Grab you a bag. Grab some swag. Net proceeds, as always, benefit the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And I think it's really important because I have not shared the phone number. That's most important. 800-273-8255. They're everywhere. Tulips. This time of year, the proof of season changing is ever evident. Even when they're not sprinkling the landscape because the cold air and wintry months keep them hidden below the dirt, you can find tulips on this podcast's digital artwork or the Morris family vans or the front plates of the Morris family fleet, the hearses, limos, vans, and every other vehicle that we have, dump trucks even, flatbeds, yes, or the lapel pins affixed on my team members' lapels and blouses. During COVID, on masks, you get the idea. We are a little sweet on tulips. Season two, episode 135, a show triers, which pulls back the curtain and takes down these walls brick by brick and exposes the true hearts of those who are caring for those whom we love absolutely with all of our being. I wonder what it was like in the 20s. Really, I mean... What did the sounds sound like? The conversations, their tones. How did towns smell? Fresh or spiked with that soiled, stagnant water smelling odor? Did they smell clean? Were horses galloping? Were high-pitched cars, which were new to this time, were those really high-pitched horns honking? Probably a lot of nostalgia here. I know a man, Frank, born during this time, who grew up in a river town where barges ran up and down the Ohio and trains traveled from west to east and then back again daily. Nichols went a very long way. Simple times. The whole idea of not wanting for much was more common than it is today. Appreciation and all. In 1937, Frank watched the floodwaters rise higher than they had ever, then and now. A record, if you will, a record flood. The waters rose to the window of his multi-level apartment, so high, in fact, Frank watched a boat float up to the apartment window so his dying mother could be lowered delicately in the boat, just to disappear 
into the horizon. And that would be the last time he would see her. Frank was 11. Frank's father was a conductor on the eastbound train. 16-hour days, actually. So it was Frank and his older brother more times than not, spending those hard-earned nickels for Cokes and candy bars. His family was good. The kind of good that when a locomotive tips over and off the tracks and pins a black man blowing hot steam on him, Frank's father spent the next several hours throwing the wet mud from a previous rainfall on the man, all to prevent him from burning up. That man lived. A day and age where the ignorance of racism was rampant, it wasn't in Frank's family. It wasn't in their hearts then, nor is it now. On D-Day, Frank's best friend jumped out of a plane. He did not survive. The days of the messenger inquirer was then the messenger, the newspaper in the morning announcing the fallen, followed by the inquirer at night, catching up on telegraphs of the dead that followed the morning's print. His friend would make that paper. Frank continued to serve during World War II. Ironically, he served on cemetery detail in Arlington National Cemetery. His job and the job of his comrades was to coordinate burials of those killed in action and ultimately carry them out. The further they marched, the higher the rank. This will make more sense later. After war, he married Anne. They raised eight Catholic children, one car. That's it. To and from his accounting job, all those kids. How did he do it? I am unsure. The kids, they walked everywhere, daily mass, school, school dances. They didn't mind. Frank's best friend, Russ, too, had eight children. Both had five girls and three boys. They'd carpool to work even, Frank and Russ, 42 years of doing so. Frank and Russ shared a desk together, bowled together, laughed together. Mark after mark they made together. Known by Frank to many, with many I know, five in fact, this day who are named after him, is known as granddad to me. A gentle, soft-spoken, almost whisper of a man, brilliant, thought out, calculated, perfect penmanship, although he jokes that he failed it twice in college. A father figure to many, holy, slow to anger, pocket protector wearing, always dressed up man, his yard's landscape and mow lines were just as precise and straight as his neatly pressed dress pants, to which he would wear while mowing. I saw it with my own two eyes. An incredible storyteller. He never told the same story twice. And if so, new details or stories making up the original one was always interwoven. 
in 2012, I went to visit him, hoping to get he and grandmother to pre-plan with us at Haley McGinnis, as I had now been there a whopping two years. Well, he had pre-plans. He had done them in 1986 after retiring. Of course he would. He is calculated. That is Frank. He did this with another funeral home. He did not intend to switch and kindly shared his assurance of such. I know why. Granddad was, if you recall, calculated. For all he knew, a record label would have come knocking on my door and I'd float into the sunset as that dream was not and is not dead. And I was still grieving it's not happening at this particular time. Granddad knew this. He didn't intend to take established wishes somewhere he one day would not have any ties to. Sundays were meant for brunch after church at Grandmom and Granddad's. Him seated at the head of the table where he most certainly belonged and earned that seat, I would fight to sit to the right of him. Orange juice in a glass for me, with a carton close by in between us as I'd always quickly need a second pour. Granddad would gently stir just a dollop of cream in his otherwise black coffee, always slightly dinging the spoon on the mug's lips. Again, like clockwork, his eggs would be delivered the same way every weekend, salt and pepper, just a little. A year before Granddad got sick, he called me to his home. By this time, Somehow, he changed his decision. His decades-old arrangements came to me in order to house them safely, slightly altering a few matters until the time of need. It was my first family member offering confidence in me, not just our home, but me. I was newly licensed in Kentucky and had more admiration for granddad than I could even begin to articulate here. My love for him is immense. Handsome, beautiful hair, sharply dressed. I want and hope to look like him when I'm older. I want to think like him, place my worries at the door of my home like him. Never did he leave work and then carry the matters in his home to his wife and children like he did his briefcase. They stayed on the porch of Pawnee Place because they could wait. Then he got sick. In time entering the care of hospice, as he slowly deteriorated, making his final transition more and more evident, we all gathered as a family. This day, all cell phone towers were down for a couple of hours. And Granddad died during this time, in Granddad fashion, slowing the news to many. I remember calling Ken and Megan both at the funeral home. I wanted them to be there. Ken being seasoned, a truly gentle man, and Megan, my wife, who I too knew would tend to granddad as if he is hers, 
it was my first being on the other side of the table, looking into the eyes of grandmother who for six decades was with her Frank each day. And what now is asked to me, her grandson, his children, my aunts and uncles, along with their spouses, my aunts and uncles who love him equally. We all sat, arranged for arrangements the following day, allowing for his children to travel as they are all successfully dispersed throughout the country. Grandchildren as well, even outside of the country. The logistics alone of travel was a sight. No one would miss his visitation and funeral, no matter what. I remember reverently transferring him from the chair he remained in with a sporting event still on the TV, silenced. Megan and Ken and I delicately placed him on the cot, reposing him gently. I didn't do any of the other things I would have done, such as put on gloves. He was so clean in life and in his beautifully holy death, just as. For months until his death, he had developed a level of comfort with me to the point if maneuvering, shifting, rolling was needed, Uncle David, his son, and myself, he wanted us. Our gentle touch and focus on him was reassuring and comforting. This honor is one I will never forget, take for granted, to say the least. There was five days of preparation before his visitation, more than enough time to straighten, re-straighten, just to straighten again his tie, make certain his cuffs were perfectly pulled out just past his jacket, his hands perfect, his perfect hair perfect. His funeral was beautiful. The visitation was packed and so was the church. The military honors were precise. He's buried right on the road, easy for all to visit, even grandmother to this day. What does all this have to do with tulips? Everything. For nearly 60 years, granddad bought and presented grandmother, his Annie Bell, with tulips for their anniversary during a time when tulips aren't even easy to come by, a 60-year tradition. It's not just a pretty flower. The story of the tulip. Tulip commonly means perfect love or eternal love. It represents elegance and grace. And of course, they are prominently displayed during Easter when seasons change from winter to spring. Granddad was and is my mentor, my hero, and his memory is eternal. His love of the tulip has been passed on to our team, our mission, and our logo. Morris family has forever recognized this flower as 
its brand, as it represents such grace. We celebrate, we celebrate so many beautiful stories and people. And for those who believe, our faith tells us that at death, the soul enters eternal rest. Granddad Frank is a man of integrity, of genuine strength. His mark is evident in the name of the man who frequents our funeral home, being named after him, his grandson, Frank, my cousin, his great-grandson, my son, Franklin Anderson. The scholarship in his name and memory at Brescia? Remember this, we leave a mark on this life. Good or bad, we are remembered for something. Choose good. And when the curtain falls and life ends, choose the goodness of the tulip. Until we meet again, go buy some flowers. See you at the next one.